0: We believe the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a restoration of the original Church established by Jesus Christ, which was built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. We declare to the world that the fullness of the gospel has been restored to the earth. We declare with boldness that the keys of the priesthood have been restored to man. We declare to the world that this is the day referred to by biblical prophets as the latter days. It is the final time before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to rule and reign on the earth. The Sunday School Manual kind of breaks it down in different sections. Um, It makes it a lot simpler. I saw that the the priesthood, like the young men's lesson and probably young women's, I think it's the same one now, was about how we should avoid porno- pornography. That's what the focus was about this this section. And at first I was kind of like, wow, I read it and I didn't really pick up on that so much, you know. <laughs> but then you kind of look at it and you're like, OK, yeah, I see how even if it's not directly addressing that, it has to do with that. And about chastity, and then about how sacred things should should be treated with reverence, and that kind of plays into the same thing the first thing the first section is signs come by faith and the will of God and it kind of talks about how some of the early members were impressed by some of the miracles or some of the things that happened around them, and that's what got them interested in joining the church and then after a while they left there were many that uh, kind of apostatized or or just lost interest and uh, it kind of goes I mean we've touched on this throughout the book of Mormon and even through the first part of this year where these big signs these big miraculous events while they can grab your attention and that's kind of what they're meant to do it's not a foundation to build your testimony on you think about even even Saul Paul you know uh, he had this big awakening moment, but that wasn't the thing that changed him. It was his humility and his willingness to change and follow. It woke him up. It slapped him in the face, you know, spiritually, to say, "Hey, pay attention, listen up. You got to change your ways." And other people have gone through that same thing. Alma in the Book of Mormon did that. There's countless examples of that from our own lives too, when things have happened to us that have caused us to to wake up and pay a little more, more attention. But what really makes a long-lasting foundational change in us is the aftermath of that what do you do with that where do you go from there not the not that event
1: yeah i i like that section where the signs come by faith and the will of god because the thought i had was i was thinking about my testimony and i was thinking like it's we want when we seek a testimony or when we want to know if something's true or real, we want that confirmation. But often, we don't put in the work. And and that's the part of the faith. The faith is to try it out, to study it out, to put the time. If It takes faith to set aside the things you normally do during the day and make time for heavenly things. Not because you immediately will know. But because by doing it enough, you have faith that you'll understand it better, that you'll learn it. And and just as we're told that in this life we're to walk by faith, I was thinking just almost any topic, especially in school, any topic requires faith. Going to school is an act of faith, that you're going to learn something meaningful, doing your homework. And even sometimes when especially with math, when you, you can replicate an answer, but you don't really understand how the formula gets you there. And you're just like, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And then some time later, you realize, wow, I understand what this theorem or this formula, how it works. Now I understand the principle behind it. Now I know that this is true. And I see similarly with our faith, like we want signs or we want these confirmation moments that that heaven is in charge and that God is there and he's watching and listening. And that and those are not bad things to want, but the Lord is telling us in, in verse 11, he says, Yea, signs come by faith unto mighty works, for without faith no man pleaseth God. And with whom God is angry, he is not well pleased, wherefore unto such he showeth no signs. Only in wrath and unto their condemnation. So he's saying, like, you—he expects us to have faith, and without that, we won't receive a confirmation of the truth. But yeah, I, I think that's the way I was thinking about it. I was thinking sometimes we think signs like, oh, I want to see Moses parting the Red Sea. I want to see the the death, the dead rise, or, or and things, and I want to see the prophet call down lightning on somebody, you know.
0: Or even like I have. An illness and if this church is true then this priesthood blessing will heal me I think verse 9 really says it as po- as concise as you possibly can say it faith cometh not by signs but signs follow those that believe you know we're expecting faith to be a fruit of a sign when it's the other way around first you have to have faith you have to follow the commandments and then along the way you'll see things that confirm what you're doing is right what you're doing is true And I've experienced that plenty of times, you know, where I've been following something kind of like, I'm hoping this is right. I don't really have 100% testimony of this yet, but this is what I've been told. These are the promises that the scriptures say, so I'm going to do it. And then something will happen, and I'm like, ah, I see, you know, I'm going to keep doing
1: it. I think we we need to be cautious that we don't dismiss signs that we see all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like even you're sitting in sacrament meeting and you hear somebody bear their testimony and you feel great, you feel moved. That's a sign that what they're saying is true. And and sometimes we could be hearing uh, a talk or listening to a song or just thinking and you get a thought that says, you know, I should do this differently. I should stop doing that. I should stop I should treat somebody a little nicer. That's a sign. That's revelation, you know. And I think sometimes we're waiting for like the Daniel. <laughs> I'm calling you today to let you know that, uh, you know. And and it's yeah. like no, no, that's that may happen, but it's not the common way that it happens. And if we if we don't ponder and pay in 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 almost like appreciate the little movements that we feel throughout our days. Of the spirit, telling us, you know, uh, you were a little bit too harsh, or just consider it from their point of view. Uh, just little things; those are the invitations to be better, and those are signs that you're living in the spirit is working within you to help you improve. Now, if we, if anytime we feel any any thought and impression that challenges or stretches us, that we say, nope, that's not it nope and we we then feed our inner pride to say no i'm not gonna listen to that no nope, they had it coming they deserve it uh you know uh, not not in my town you know whatever it may be well you're literally silencing the inner light of christ and the holy ghost that are trying to help you be better you know and that's where like you said in verse nine you know the, the signs follow those that believe those that are doing what they should be doing are able to recognize these signs and promptings. And to them, they can go to conference and feel like, wow, heaven just moved. This was amazing. And other people could be sitting there like potatoes, like Layman and Lemuel and be like, what's the big deal? <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah. I, I think it's throughout like my, my married life I've found that whenever we've had, you know, financial troubles, we've had a car breakdown or something like that those have been the little miracles that happen that suddenly something else happens that covers the cost. You know, I get a little bit extra money or I get this and that that comes in and it's able to cover the cost of that repair. And it's never, Hey, here's $10,000, you know, and it's never, uh, the car suddenly worked and never broke again. It, it's, it's like, I'm going to give you exactly what you need when you need it and not anything more, but you need to recognize that, if you pay your tithing faithfully, if you pay fast offerings, that that that's what I'm, I'm going to take care of you. And there's so many times when I've been like, do I, I could easily not pay tithing and cover the cost of this car repair, but I'm going to pay tithing. And then we'll, I, I'll think well, it'll, it'll work out. And it does. And it's like, okay, I have to acknowledge that as a sign and as a faith building sign. And if you don't acknowledge it, you might go around saying, well, I'm doing all this and I'm, I'm scraping by and you start kind of looking at it as because of my own work, my own efforts, I stay afloat. And I think we have to acknowledge the times when the Lord does little things to keep us going and to show us tender mercies, you know, as those are signs that those are the kind of signs that you're looking for, you know, uh, to, to build that testimony. Um, The next section in here is chastity means keeping our thoughts and actions pure. And that's uh, verses 13 through 16. And it's kind of the Lord saying, especially in verse 15, let such beware and repent speedily. lest judgment shall come upon them as a snare. He's basically telling people, look, this stuff is not a joke. Um, It's not harmless. And he's telling them to repent speedily which I find interesting. He doesn't use that word a whole lot. He'll say things with haste and stuff like that, but not super common. And basically saying, if any of you are caught in this, uh, in verse 14, there, there were among you adulterers and adulteresses, some of you have turned away from you, some of whom have turned away from you and others who remain with you, but with you that hereafter shall be revealed, kind of goes over it in verse 16 even, saying, He that looketh on a woman to lust after her, or if any shall commit adultery in their hearts, they shall not have the spirit, but shall deny the faith and shall fear. And he's basically saying, if you're if you're making a habit out of this stuff, if you're doing these things, uh, now is the time to stop. Repent speedily. Make it stop now. And the reason why I think he's saying speedily is because sexual sin has a way of becoming a really big, well, he uses the word snare. It it snags you and doesn't let go. It's not like, it, it's like a lot of other addictions in the sense of, it's not something you can just easily put down and stop.
1: Yeah, there there's, I look at lying, like, especially when you're young, you like to lie so you can be liked by people, friends, kids at school, and stuff like that. And there's a certain amount of reward triggered in your brain. But when it comes to sexual sin, there's, a definite physical reward uh physiological reward uh, of, of uh, endorphins and 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 things and i think that can become addictive uh, much quicker than anything else uh just like i've heard m- many times the comparison between pornography and drugs And that kicking those habits is very similar in the difficulty that the drugs and the pornography, after a while, rewire your brain chemistry. And they change your reward systems, you know. And that's where, you know, it can be difficult uh, for people to think uh, about the long-term effect of these things, you know. And, you know... We all hear stories, it happens all the time, you know, things that begin very innocently and end up ruining a family or ruining many lives or even leaving people in jail or dead, you know, by little things that we thought are innocuous, you know. Uh, I like Elder Holland's uh, quote in the manual, in the lesson. Where it begins, why is lust such a deadly sin? He says, Well, in addition to the completely to completely spirit destroying impact it has upon our souls, I think it is a sin because it defiles the highest and holiest relationship God gives us in mortality. The love that a man and a woman have for each other and the desire and the desire that couple has to bring children into the family intended to be forever. So some this this lust, this immorality, or this adultering behavior, seeks to cast away these most important relationship and commitments and covenants that are made. Um,
0: um, there's a another quote by Sister Linda S. Reeves, former member of the Relief Society General Presidency, in the Sunday School Manual, and it says, it kind of brings the the idea of chastity and um, it, into a uh, a broader view of virtue in general. And it says, I know of nothing that will qualify us for the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost as much as virtue. When we are involved in watching, reading, or experiencing anything that is below our Heavenly Father's standards, it weakens us. Regardless of our age, if what we look at, read, listen to, or choose to do does not meet the Lord's standards for the strength of youth, turn it off, rip it up, throw it out, and slam the door. I believe that if we could daily remember and recognize the depth of that love, our Heavenly Father and our Savior have for us, we would be willing to do anything to be back in their presence again, surrounded by their love eternally. I think what it what it kind of highlights for me is chastity is just a another way to ensure that we're trying to be as virtuous as possible. And really any sin causes the spirit to leave. But I think when we're making a decision, I don't know if tithing is virtue. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like a different kind of commandment, but there are certain commandments regarding our virtue, like chastity, like honesty, like integrity.
1: Yeah, for me, virtue is the only way I can explain what virtue is, is by using another word. (laughs) That's integrity. Yeah. To be virtuous is to be, I don't know, pure. It's not being innocent sometimes we equate innocence and virtue innocence is you like garden of eden you don't have a chance you don't know you've been blocked you've been sheltered virtue is almost like
0: choosing to do the right thing even though you know what the wrong thing is
1: yeah even though yeah and it's also when i hear virtue i also feel like there's self-control where things like you're innocent or or you're naive it's more like you don't even know what is you're being tempted like you're like an eight-year-old you don't know what those words mean you don't know what people are saying you know it's fine where when you're virtuous you're purposely know that feeding your mind and thoughts with good things will lead to happiness and it's not denying the fact that you are human that you have physical urges that there are attractions but being able to exercise delayed gratification, you know, because it's, the Lord is not saying he doesn't want you to have sexual relations. He's saying he wants you to have those, but have them correctly with the right person for the right reasons and having a bond of fidelity, you know, Um, because unbridled, it, it destroys people, you know, It's like it's this power to procreate, but it's much more than the physical ability to bring kids to the world. It's the ability to be to not only do you want to bring kids, but you want to be there to raise them. You know, you want to care for them. You want to impart to them all of the knowledge and learning that you've been given so they can have happiness and joy, you know, and growth. And it's kind of like what the Lord is doing with us. You know, he, he, we are his children. He's created us. But he then provides us an opportunity to grow and learn. And that's where I think it's like virtuous is, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain what it is. It's like this integrity and in purpose, 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 choice. Like, it's a choice with purpose. It's not a happenstance accident like, oh, I was virtuous. No, you just didn't do the wrong thing.
0: Well, and I I think that in the broader view of chastity and especially, like I said, the the youth lesson was about avoiding pornography. And I feel like a lot of times we have this misunderstanding that having feelings or urges is wrong, that that somehow in and of itself is a sin. And I I remember, you know, having lessons as a youth where it's like, the message was, stay away from it. And that should always be the message. But it was almost like, if you see something and you feel something about it, that's wrong, you've sinned. You know, and so it was like this idea that, oh, gosh, I I can't even accidentally see something because then I might sin. And I think those natural urges are important for us. (laughs) I mean, it's how we exist as humans today um the difference is the context right are you using it for that kind of self-gratification are you using it for that for that kind of purpose Or are you using it in the right context of marriage and in order to have children and to express love for your eternal companion like that's a very different context and i think that a lot of times where where as a youth we were taught stay away from it the message didn't get through clearly sometimes that it's not stay away from it because you might accidentally sin but stay away from it because as it says in the scripture it's a snare and it'll pull you in and it's a counterfeit and you won't understand what love is really like it's kind of an interesting thing though because just like everything else there's good and bad involved with those natural urges right
1: yeah i think it's also something that lust or this whatever you want to call it it also creates a habit of people valuing people by their appearance alone.
0: Yeah.
1: And creating uh, appearances or fashions or, or body image uh, standards that then people try to spend way too much energy trying to achieve. And you forget that that's one of the most temporary things in our existence <laughs> is our appearance. Because every day we're aging and ultimately going to die, you know, and the appearance, it's almost like, but it's almost like there are times when someone's appearance attracts you to them, but then their personality repulses you, you know. And then there's other times if you are just a lustful person that you don't realize that there are individuals who are wonderful and beautiful and you can love but you have set the standard of lust, lust lustly looks <laughs> that doesn't allow you to appreciate what someone is, you know, and that's that's the thing is like you like <laughs> my wife has to put up with me because I don't have hair anymore. Like I'm going <laughs> bald and I'm getting fat, you know, and it's like, you know, when we were young, it's like we're we're hot stuff. You know, but it's like now I hope she loves me more, you know, because we are just, we're different, you know. And the, the, the lust puts a value on appearance that is something one we really can't control that much. And if we can't control it, you can't control it for long.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? well, yeah, and it's definitely not something that, like, it's it's something so fleeting and so superficial that the is like, look, if this is what you're basing your interactions on that's a problem that will be a problem and he's trying to teach us through the law of chastity and through other things to value other things value other things about people value who they are not what they look like it's kind of an interesting perspective on that on that law the last section in in this uh, lesson is sacred things should be treated with reverence verses 58 through 64 in the very end and 58 is kind of an interesting verse for this is a day of warning and not a day of many words for the lord am not to be mocked in the last days behold i am from above and my power lieth beneath i am over all and in all and through all and search all things and the day cometh that all things shall be subject unto me to me this this is talking about covenants this is talking about taking our promises our covenants with our heavenly father seriously and when you when you make a covenant like baptism or the covenants we make in the temple, such as marriage or the endowment, what you're doing is you're making a... It's more than just a, hey, if you do this, I'll do that. Because he, he gives you everything up front. He tells you exactly what's promised up front and also tells you what's expected of you. It does not change. And what he's saying here in these scriptures is this isn't just a a contract that you can find a loophole or uh put in some fine print that gets you out of it like this is this. i will not be mocked is don't go into this if you're not serious if you're not meaning it if you don't understand it uh and i think that's really important because he's he's taking his side very seriously it reminds me i was teaching um elders quorum last week and um we were talking about covenants and stuff and as part of my lesson, I I talked about, it's called the Pepsi points contract breach or something like that. And basically in 1999, Pepsi came out with a marketing campaign that you could get points from drinking Pepsi, right? And then you could go into their catalog and redeem the points for different things. So they had a commercial where this kid comes out wearing a Pepsi shirt, and it stops and it says Pepsi t-shirt, 90 points or 75 points or whatever. And then he puts on a jacket, and it's like, leather jacket, 1,450 points. And then he goes out and he gets into a Harrier jet, uh, like the jet. It's $33 million jet. And it's like, Harrier jet, 7 million points, right? And then he, the in the commercial, he flies it to school and whatever, and it's kind of a big joke. Well, this guy, uh, I can't remember his name now, he noticed that they pepsi would allow you to purchase points directly without having to consume any pepsi and so he wrote a seven hundred thousand dollar check and sent it to pepsi to redeem it for a harrier jet and it was a 33.8 million dollar jet at the time and so he was like yeah i want my jet and they said no that's not how this works it was just a joke and so he took him to court he sued him it was this big long thing and the judge ruled in favor of Pepsi, saying this is clearly a joke, It's not uh, a commercial does not constitute an official offer, and it died right there. But that just kind of goes to show, like, when the Lord's making a covenant with you, there are no loopholes. There's no backing out of it, saying, oh, I promised you eternal life, but actually, you know, <laughs> uh, it's unattainable. No, everything he does is up front. It's clear, it's honest, it's transparent. And everything you're committing to is clear and honest and transparent. If you don't understand, you can read and you can ask and you can try and get more information about it. But the world the Lord doesn't work like Pepsi did, you know? <laughs> he's not gonna try and snag you in with some with some clever thing. It's it's pretty upfront. And I think that's why he's saying, Look, I take this seriously. I'm Alpha and Omega. Even all all men beware of how they take how they take my name in their lips. And you know, take take sacred things seriously, is what he's
1: saying. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh the other the the ending, you know, where it says in the manual where it says the Lord directs the spiritual and temporal affairs of his saints and I think about that made me think about right away about the priesthood, the Aaronic and the Macazedic priesthood. And that in the Iranic priesthood, that one holds the keys to the ministering of angels and and it's the way that the uh, presidency of the temporal affairs happens you know through the bishop and the and the priest quorum and the deacon's quorum and the teacher's quorum you know and then um and then i thought about the the mechizedek priesthood and the elders quorum and the high priest and i and i and i it's just it's fascinating through Doctrine and Covenants that there's very practical temporal advice that the Lord gives and further on we'll get soon we'll get into you know the law of uh, health or the Word of Wisdom right um but then I was thinking about as youth growing up in the church and you do things and young young men and young women activity nights you're learning to socialize and have fun but you're also learning very practical things you're learning life skills, uh, and and then some of your assignments you could be you know shoveling the walkway of the church, you know preparing the sacrament, uh, putting up chairs, taking down chairs, taking out the garbages, filling cleaning assignments. There's a way to be organized in the gospel that is very practical for temporal things that are needed, that are that are good, and then there's spiritual things like the ministering aspect and the looking after the welfare of each other's souls and 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 well-being and and it's it's interesting because it's you can if you look closely um you can see that the lord cares about everything that you care about and there's a way of developing talents you know i don't i can't remember i can't name all of the practical useful things i have learned in humans growing up just things that are fun, but also you learn practical things that are useful. And then there's also spiritual things that you learn when you do service and you look after others. So what I'm trying to say is sometimes we tuck away the the gospel as, as a Sunday-only activity or as a spiritual kumbaya thing in our life. And it's, no, we are to pray over everything. We are to pray over our commute, our stresses, our debt, our... Family, our jobs, our resumes, you know, uh, our vacations. And likewise, you know, they're, they're like to be a disciple of Christ. I think what I'm trying to say out of all this is it's an all in effort. All aspects, the gospel permeates, and the Lord wants to help in all aspects. Let us be awake and not be weary of well doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work
0: even preparing for the return of the Savior. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come follow me.